Welcome to She Critiques, where we discuss the new, the old, all things cinema. I'm Mercedes, television producer, certified reviewer, and all-around movie buff. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for hanging in there with me. I know it's been a while on hiatus. I've been out of town traveling for work, so excuse the tardiness and the late episodes coming, but I promise that this one is worth the wait. I come bearing gifts, everyone. This episode of the podcast, I am interviewing Andra Day, I'm sorry, Academy Award nominated Andra Day. If you know anything about film and television, you know that Who Lose the United States versus Billie Holiday is outstanding, to say the least. Um, it's directed by Lee Daniels, stars Andra Day and Trevante Rhodes, and it is truly um, a glimpse into the life and legacy of who Billie Holiday was and her uh her movement with the civil rights you know her 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 uh participation with the civil rights movement and um about her strong her song strange fruit i mean that film really gave me chills to watch so if you haven't seen it please check it out on hulu and for this episode you know andrea day came on the she critiques podcast everybody can y'all believe that that is amazing i had the privilege of interviewing her through an organization that i'm a part of in atlanta called the black women film network for the annual 2021 summit it was virtual and she came on the podcast and she gave us all the tea all the tea about Javante rhodes uh, and everything she knows about Billie Holiday. This is truly a gem of an interview. I was joined by Mickey Turner, who's a professor at USC and um, a photojournalist, award-winning photojournalist, and a friend of mine, Rasha Penrice, who is another critic and has such a brilliant mind. So this is the conversation that we had with Miss Andra Day, and I just wish her all the best uh, and her continued Hollywood success. I can't wait to see what happens at the Oscars this year. So enjoy. As always, uh, make sure you follow me at Chic Critiques. And you can see this video footage as well on YouTube, on my YouTube channel at Chic Critiques. Uh, and don't forget to get your Black Flicks Trivia card game. If you haven't already ordered your Black Flicks Trivia card game, go to www blackflixtrivia.com um it's a game that i've curated and created designed all the cards um it's a deck of cards to play you can play on zoom with your family it's such a fun game dedicated to all the black culture films that we know and love so get your decks today shipping included for just 20 dollars. okay enjoy the talk and i look forward to hearing your feedback So everybody, welcome to the She Critiques podcast. We are here at the Black Woman Film Network Annual Summit 2021. We are virtual, y'all. Everything's virtual. (laughs) It's no different with the podcast world either. I'm your host, Mercedes Springer, and today we have a special guest here to discuss the new Hulu film by Lee Daniels, The United States versus Billie Holiday, is the star of the movie, artist, actress, activist, the new Hollywood it girl. (laughs) Miss <laughs> <Ms>. Andrew Day. <laughs> we Thank also you. have joined. Yes, the, so happy to have you here. Um, we also have joining the discussion author, film critic, and journalist Rhonda Rasha Penrice. 
and award-winning photojournalist, producer, and professor at USC Amberg, Ms. Mickey Turner. Thank you ladies all for joining us today. I'm gonna to kick this off first, uh, Andre, and I'm gonna give a disclaimer. We are all very serious film critics here, right? Okay. We gotta, but I gotta ask, how was it kissing Trevante Rose? Uh, <laughs> in, in this you know what's so funny? I think that's the first time I've actually been asked that question. And everybody before we started this press run thought that would be the one question I would get in every single interview. Um, you know, it's great. He's got great dental hygiene, so <laughs> it's good. It was a very clean uh, um, exchange interaction. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad to hear. We were, we're all glad to hear that. If you interview him, make sure you ask him what it was like kissing me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, you know, a lot of actors say when a role scares them, they know it's right. I was wondering what felt right about portraying this icon to you? Uh, well, when it first scared me, it didn't feel right. It's because it felt very, very wrong. And I was like, I, I feel like I'm gonna be terrible in this, and, you know. Um, but I think I did get to a point, prayer is a huge thing for me. I'm a deeply, I try to be a, a spiritually grounded person and I try to put that at the forefront of everything I endeavor to do. Um, so prayer was a huge part of it. And then also meeting Lee, and I'm a big Billie Holiday fan. And as uh, a fan of Diana Ross and Billie Holiday, I didn't want to remake Lady Sings the Blues because it was perfect and she was fantastic in it. Um, and then as a fan of Billie's, I didn't want to retell a story that I knew wasn't the full story of, of her life and how the government went after her. Um, so meeting Lee and finding out from Lee that they would talk about how the, the government, the FBN and the um, FBI, Harry Janslinger and Hoover went after her for singing Strange Fruit in defiance of the government. Um, uh, and that's really how they took her down. The war on drugs was, was just a geist, you know, for going after, after her for Strange Fruit. So that was, for me as a fan of hers, it felt like, wow, this is a moment to vindicate her legacy, you know, and, and we're far enough removed from those people in that time to be able to tell the story. At the time, I still felt like I'm excited now have somebody else do it, but, <laughs> but um, you know, I just, it was, it was trusting in Lee, you know what I mean? Trusting in God, trusting, trusting Lee and just diving in this process. And I felt a peace about having to be there, you know? One of the things that people think is because you're a singer that you don't act when you're singing. So please explain that process. First of all, Rhonda, bless you sis for asking that question. Because <laughs> I think people automatically think like, oh yeah, it's easy because you sing. And there are, listen, there are certain points that are familiar. You know, I know what the arc is like, the nerves before you get on stage, what the arc is like while you're on stage, the need for the audience to receive you for them for you to receive them. So I know that, you know what I mean? But so in that sense, it makes it like, okay, it's relatable, I understand this. But in the other sense, it makes it more difficult because when I'm on stage singing, I lose myself in me, I do me, you know what I mean? And that's, I'm giving the audience who I am, my experiences, and I'm receiving what who it is that they are in that moment. That's what that exchange is. And, um, and uh, so when you're on set and you're acting, you have to remember when I was training actually with my acting coach, cause Lee uh, connected me with Tasha Smith. That was actually one of the challenging points. I remember running over this same scene with her over and over. She's like, it's not it, it's not it, it's not it. And I'm just like, you would think it's the singing scene. This is the easiest I could do. But I, I struggled the most with the singing scenes when I was working with her 
because it's you have to be conscious of the fact that you are not you you your experiences are informing this character but you're not you i am billy i have the the pressures of billy the 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 the, the trauma and the triumph of billy and so it's it's another it's a la another layer and another challenge to remember that you are portraying and honoring another person in this performance. You're not just singing and enjoying this moment. You have a duty to this character, to this person, you know. So it definitely adds another layer. So I appreciate you for asking that. And then you have to change your voice, like how you sing. She sings differently, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's again another. <laughs> You know, my voice wants to do certain things, but um, she has a much different voice. She sings from a different place. And I, I, I got with this amazing dialect coach, Tom Jones. And so we just sort of work, you know, working the muscles, you know, the, um, and, and uh, she sings from a higher place in her, in her throat. There's so much gravel as you hear the rasp and the grit in her voice. So that's, you know, that's wear and tear definitely on her vocal cords. So it travels from a deeper place, goes through a bunch of gravel, kind of hits the back of her throat and then comes out and her chases her breath is really what we discovered. And so we found her voice through her laugh. We found it through breathing. And, um, and it was important. I think it was important for all of us, for myself, for Lee, to get the voice because the sound and the tone of her singing and speaking voice is just as much of a character as, as she is. And, and I think the experiences of her life, the trials and the triumphs of her life are all written on that voice like a scroll. And so uh, it was it was why I think the voice primarily is why I had to stay in it most of the time while I was on set because I, I couldn't find myself going in and out of it realistically. Also, I, I don't have the experience. So that was that was a huge, huge part of it for me. Um, what's something I found pretty interesting about the film was the fact that it is named the United States versus Billie yeah. Holiday because it felt like this huge entity yeah. versus this fragile little, you know, Black yeah. woman. I'm mean, a powerhouse in her own, but, you know, this one woman in the United yeah. States was, was coming after her. Were you surprised at all at how hard the FBI went to frame to, like, anything you found out about how hard they went Yeah. I think that's a part of what surprised me. So I did know that they went after her just because I had been a fan for such a long time. Jimmy Fletcher was a revelatory piece for me. And that was, and it was like, gosh, so vicious. You know what I mean? And we've seen it, right? I mean, you see it now even, and I love that people are seeing this movie. They're seeing Judas and the Black Messiah. They're seeing that this is, yeah. but, but she was really one of the early sort of genesis of this practice, right? Of this technique. I mean, it, it obviously goes back to the plantation, but it, um, but it, when you see sort of Hoover and Harry J. Anslinger, you know, implementing these black agents um, to take their people down, the manipulate the level of the manipulation, like not just infiltrating her life and her family, but infiltrating her heart, you know, with this with this person, and 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 then you know, exploiting her traumas and exploiting her weaknesses and villainizing and criminalizing her for for having this addiction, um, you know, it just I think. And, and you know what's interesting? It's it's crazy to me that I could still be surprised as a black woman the lengths to which the government would go after us, right? For just trying to unite our people or liberate our people, but it still is surprising. It's just surprising, sort of the levels of of, of um, just how diabolical it, it actually was, you know, and the level of hate for for someone actually trying to do something good. So, yeah, I mean, I was surprised by the Jimmy Fletcher piece and it made me just love her even more because I realized, you know, Billie Holiday singing Strange Fruit 
and the death of Emmett Till reinvigorated Thurgood Marshall in the movement. And so, you know, when you think about that she was shouldering this entire burden on her own, you just go, she, you're, she, you're right, she is a hero. She does, she's not weak, definitely. She has very, very broad shoulders as black women often do. So it just made me fall in love with her even more. As an actor, you had to go to a lot of dark places with this character in this film. Can you talk a little bit about what was the most difficult scene for you to shoot? <laughs> I'm laughing because one of the most difficult scenes I had to shoot, this is just a side note joke, was sleeping. I'm not very good at sleeping. <laughs> and they, I would be on the bed in the hospital bed. They're like, all right, Billy, sleep. They're like, no, just like relax your face. Like just, just sleep. I was like, okay. They're like, what the hell is wrong with her? Just sleep. But no, I mean, really, really, really the, the difficult scene. Um, it was two scenes, really. It was the one you would imagine, which is the lynching scene. Uh, you know, I know we know, obviously, we know that it has happened. We know that it happens, you know. It has transformed and become something new, right, lynching. But, but um, to actually see someone up there hanging, you know, knowing that I've had family members who've had crosses burned in the yard or who had to fight just to keep their family alive, you know. Um, to see it was just it was something really different. And it was, it, it, it in and of itself, while watching those girls cry for their mother was traumatic alone, you know what I mean? And, but, but necessary, you know what I mean? And that's, that's, I, I think some people sometimes think that it isn't necessary, but I'm like, but you do have to actually see, I think one of the, 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 the great techniques, I won't say great, but one of the most effective techniques of, of oppression or sort of creating the system of oppression is to sort of gloss over, right? The depth of the struggle and the breadth of the contribution. And so I think it was necessary for people to actually see the horror of it. Um, but what bothered me the most about that scene was that I, it was not enough for me to sort of emotionally realize what was necessary for the scene. I, it wasn't enough for me to just see it. That should be enough, right? That should be traumatic enough. I had to pull from personal familial trauma and pain and it really bothered me. Like I was almost angry at myself throughout the day. I was grateful for the experience, but I was angry that that had to be a thing. But what it did was just remind me, it was a red flag that says, you know, as a community, we are too familiar with this magnitude of loss. You know what I mean? With this much violence sort of being perpetrated against our people. We are very, very familiar with that. And the rest of society almost is as well too. Like, oh, it's happening to black women. Well, it's happening to, we have sort of adopted some of that. So that seeing those girls cry just made me realize okay that generation we cannot allow them at all to be desensitized or to be you know we can't normalize it at all it has to be horrific for them if if it cannot be fully rooted out by their generation by the time they grow up so so just to be clear the love scenes with Travante weren't difficult at all right it was <laughs> So the it was difficult. It was difficult because it's my first movie, you know what I mean? And I will say personally, not that I have never, obviously, you know what I mean, had moments, was, you know, have my enjoyment and my time, but um, but I made a personal decision to be abstinent. So I haven't been physically intimate with someone in seven years, I think going on eight years now. Um, so it's been a long time. <laughs> so it was like the movie layer, somebody, I, it was the first week we shot that scene, literally flew in and it was like, get naked, get busy. You know what I mean? So, so it was like the first week, somebody I didn't know, you know, I, it's been a minute and my first movie, 
Um, but I, but yes, it did definitely help that Trey is definitely a specimen. <laughs> and he was very nice, really, really kind. Lee was really kind. He also has a lot of integrity. So he would like cover me real quick when we were done with the scene. So before the intimacy coach could get in. So it made it easier for me to be like, okay, let's, I can trust this person. Let's experiment, you know. I love that. That's funny, y'all. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the wardrobe, because one of the things that's really great um, in the film is your physical transformations. Like, I felt like I was living a whole life with Billy. That's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I think, I mean, it's a, it's a combination of things. The amazing Paolo uh, Nieto, who did the wardrobe and everything, and just every little detail. I mean, it's like, People who work that hard, you know, you just, you'll do anything for them, you know, and he was so, emo this was so beautiful, actually. He was so emotionally connected to every piece that he designed, and not just for myself, you know, down to like, he would see something off with a cufflink or a sock that he felt like mm, wasn't twisted the right way. So his level of detail was amazing. Working with Prada was incredible. Um, and Lee's level of detail, he wants to see not just something beautiful and amazing, but something that's that's beautiful that you see sort of black opulence, right? Not just black excellence, black opulence. And because I think he was so inspired by seeing that in Lady Sings the Blues. And so he wanted to see that, but he also wanted it to emotionally fit the scene. So it could never be too big or too small. It had to, you know, it was a definitely a whole beautiful team effort. Charles Gregory, God rest his soul. Stacey Merriman, who did my hair as well. Um, um, Laini, who did the makeup. It was and then there was the physical transformation. I, I lost a lot of weight. I lost almost 40 pounds and, and cut off all my hair. <laughs> uh, started smoking cigarettes and drinking. And so it was, it was a lot, but it, it, you're right. Like for me also, as a, as a character, as a person in the movie, it, it helped me to just be like this, you know, I put it to you this way. When I finally got dressed for the first time and we had done all this transformation, it didn't feel like, wow, I look just like Billie Holiday. It literally felt like, oh, wow, there I am. You know what I mean? Like, it just felt very right. And so um, that was a lot of hard work by a lot of really dedicated people on set. Do you have a favorite look? Ooh, um, I think, okay, actually two. So my favorite look is the feather, the Prada feather dress at the end where they're dancing and why do she have on Prada in the 1940s? <laughs> but, uh, so that was one of my favorite looks. And then I think my other favorite look was sort of when she first meets, or I guess when Jimmy first makes his way into the dressing room, that little floral dress that she had. I like the way my hair looked, the fly. I just like the way everything came out that day. I thought it was real cute. So fly. I, um, was there an audition process at all in, in, with this role or did Lee know that he wanted to? And how did you get, you know, into oh, yeah. that? Uh, so there was an audition process, a really extensive audition process actually. So Lee did not want to use me and I did not want to do this. So that was how we bonded, I think. It was like, I don't want to do this. He was like, I don't want you to do this. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> you know, so we were both, he, he don't like to be told what to do and he had been influenced. I have no idea why so many people, even now that I think about it, were trying to tell him you should use her. You know, I, I'm still baffled, but God is great. But, um, you know, so it was, so we did a very extensive um, audition process. He introduced me to Tasha Smith, who was my acting coach. And she believed in me from just day one, <laughs> you know, she was like, this is yours. And I was, and it's funny cause I'd be looking at her like, I don't know why she feels like that, you know, but, but she prepared me for the audition. She just, it was like learning, you know, 
the craft of acting, the techniques, you know, and, and, and then the script and combing through and how to inform a character. And from the audition process, she worked with me intensively and Lee was very specific about what he wanted to see. You know, he was specific about certain things and then not specific about others. So I did, you know, I started working with her. He, she put something on tape that she sent to him and he loved it. And he said that he saw Billy in that tape. And, um, and then we did, you know, we went back and did another audition where we taped another audition. Then we did it in person. Um, and then I had done a chemistry read with who was cast as Jimmy Fletcher at the time. Uh, so it was, I mean, it was definitely, you know, you said what? It was in the press. So it was Lakeith, actually, you know, and that's oh. what like the chemistry read with. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so it was, and it was amazing, you know what I mean? And that was um, just, it, I learned a lot, even just through the audition process. And it was nice to have that much time with Lee, because I could just see how he worked and see how he sort of got what it was that he was looking for. And the chemistry between him and I, you know what I mean, was, was really amazing, actually, between Lee and myself, you know. Now we're moving on from Travante. Uh, <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about your uh, your scene. Everybody only wants to look at him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, Rob's a good-looking brother too. So, can you talk yeah. a little bit about your scenes with him? Rob has that energy. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. You Go know ahead. what I'm talking about. I don't know what it is when you just walk up somebody and everybody knew it. Everybody on set felt it. Everybody was like, but he's swinging. <laughs> but um, Rob is like, I mean, God, the talent is everybody. I think everyone on set was so inspired by him and just watching him, watching his commitment. He was in, you know what I mean? At all times. And it was amazing because, you know, we would have sort of these chemistry dates. So I would go and have dinner with him or like Trey and I would have dinner, Davine and Miss Lawrence and I would have dinner. We, you know, we would all hang out. I mean, and with, you know, and, and Tyler Williams as well too. And, and Rob walks in and I, I knew, you know, as soon as he walked in, I was like, game, like it's game. You know what I mean? Like he's, I'm Billy, he's Louis McKay. And, and he never stepped out of that space and his talent and his commitment to his character and to his roles was just awe inspiring. It was inspiring to be on set and to be in a room with that man. And it was just, and it was amazing. And it's so funny because he played the role perfectly because every time he'd walk into a room, all of a sudden I would feel very special. I would feel very seen, I would feel, and that is how Lewis McKay would have been manipulatively so, um, but that's how he would have been. And that's how he would have made Billy feel, you know what I mean? While at the same time, robbing her blind or beating her or setting her up. So I felt that feeling that, you know, Lewis McKay might have given to, to Billie Holiday every time Rob was on set. He's such a powerful performer. Hey, can you talk about Miss um, Randolph and Miss Lawrence yes. and yes, Tyler? They are like really, really family. Um, it was, again, I, for, not just for this being my first role, I am just so blessed to have been on a set where I am nervous and I'm wanting to get this right. Uh, but where I'm learning, I mean, every single thing, every time I watched, you know, Davine, every time I watched Miss Lawrence, and this was his first movie as well, too. I think that's the, the thing that we forget, you know, is that it was my first movie, but it was also Miss Lawrence's first movie. And everything was so authentic. Everything was so genuine. And the love was so genuine. The two of them were like that on and off set. They were my aces. You know what I mean? They loved me. You know, they supported me. And, and, and they did that 
when we were in scenes and they would do that and check on me even when we were outside of set. And so actually I, I remember the very first time I ever met Davine and we looked at each other and I stood there and she looked at me, she was like, I got your back. I was like, good, cause these niggas is coming for me. And it was right from that moment on, sorry, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that on here, sorry, but I'm working on it. My daddy's from Detroit. So, <laughs> but, um, so it, it was from that moment on they were just in the entire time. I learned so much from them. They poured so much into me. They were also the most giving people. Um, it was just, it was an incredible experience. Tyler Williams was the same thing. You know, I really felt like this is my kin. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't be away from him. I need him. I need his support. I need his love, both of their love. It was, it was amazing. It was gargantuan talent and even greater integrity in these people. So it was amazing. And Divine, um, Divine, or she said that you guys did your own stunts or something like. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. That was, and that was really that. <laughs> we did do our own stunts. That was the day that the scene where um, the where Billy is getting beat up by her boyfriend at the time, or common law husband at the time, John Levy. And so yes, that was our own stunts, our own fighting and choreography that that um, that we did. Uh, and just Lee directed it so beautifully, but there was a moment <laughs> where I was on the ground and he poured, I feel so bad for, for Tone Bell who played John Levy, his foot slipped and he actually kicked me in the mouth. And you know, when you get a hit like that, like everything goes out the window, you stressed, you know what I mean? So I was, my reaction was, was definitely visceral and definitely real, you know, but I think with Divine in that scene, it's unfortunate to say this, but that scene is not unfamiliar to most of us, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? You guys, you would understand what I'm saying. And whether it's you or whether it's a family member or whether it's a close friend, that scene is all too familiar. We're very used to that. And I think that was the hardest part. And we bonded so much that day because her and I, first it was me trying to comfort her because I would, at the end of the scene, I just saw her, she would break down. She was so in her, she was seeing it, you know? and feeling it and so I was trying to console her and comfort her and then I just start break down crying and it was interesting to see the dynamic in the room that day because the men god bless them all were much more casual light-hearted kind of laughing and and you could see all the women in the room were very very quiet you know what I mean and we're, we're in solidarity you know and we're, we're empathizing with each other so it was so many powerful moments like that on set and I credit all of the credit honestly is due to to Lee and to that cast I just is not the, I, I'm gonna love these people for as long as I live because they 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 gave a lot so much. Because we know music can be healing as well. It can be healing and it can be a very powerful tool. And for the fact that you know, Strange Fruit is this tool of a song, and Billy knew that it was a tool. Um, but the FBI or the government, whoever was coming after her, knew that this was empowering to so many people, yes. but the words, like I just want to comb through the words a little bit. Oh, they are cool. very, yeah, your interpretation of the words and what they mean to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you just lyric, or just in general, the lyrics? Is I have, they- yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, we, we can do the first verse. Let's do the first okay. verse. Okay, yeah, yeah, first verse. Um, Southern Southern trees bear a strange fruit, blood on the leaves, blood at the root. Um, first, I just, that that alone, you know what I mean? That That says so much it almost gives you a vision, right? Yeah. Of blood sort of being what causes these trees to grow almost. It's like, it's that much, you know what I mean? And it's that. So I think 
I mean, that alone just says Southern tree. I mean, it calls everyone out. It says Southern mm -hmm. trees, you know, bear a strange fruit. And everyone knows what that is, right? You know, that's not, this song is not that metaphorical. It's not hiding, you know what I mean? It's also very literal. Um, and what I love also about the song is that it was written by a Jewish poet, Abel Maripol, you know, in the, in the 30s. And it just goes to show you this idea that it's like, you don't need to be black to understand that it is wrong to do this to people. You know what I mean? And that's, and, and he knew, right? This whole idea when people go, well, we just saw them as different. You know, they weren't human. Yes, you did. You, you, you knew that, you know that we're human and you knew that we were human. He did, you know what I mean? And so, um, so yeah, those lyrics are, I mean, it's, it's a call to awareness and a call to action. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's holding a mirror up to America and saying, you know, this is what you are, this is what you're doing. And you can go at the time and you can sit in your churches on Sunday. How can you do a lynching and a picnic on Saturday and go sit in church on Sunday? You know what I mean? And, and still feel, and it's because they were able to sort of, you know, didn't care, but also able to sort of, you know, it's almost like hiding from it. And Strange Fruit said, no, you cannot hide. You are murderers. You know what I mean? You are, this is what you are doing to, this is genocide. This is what you're doing to people. And, and it was, you know, it was, it was a siren, you know what I mean? And they had to, they had to shut her down if they wanted to continue to build a successful system of oppression. They could not have people coming together surrounding a song like Strange Fruit. You know, these lyrics are so they're potent. You know? They are potent. And you have songs like that as well, though, too, Andrea. And yeah. you're in rendition of Strange Fruit as well. So as an artist, is it, is it for you intentional to put those lyrics in as a siren, a call oh, to the people? Absolutely. I, absolutely. I mean, I think like, sometimes I feel like I approach lyrics a little more like a rapper than I do a singer. You know, it's sort of, I want it to be multi-layered. I want you to be able to, you know, I, I think about lyrics. First of all, it all comes from prayer. I'm actually going to refer specifically to the to the song we just released, Tigress and Tweed, because Tigress and Tweed, the whole goal of that song was if Billie Holiday were alive today, how would she have wanted to see Tigress and Tweed evolved? I mean, I'm sorry, to see Strange Fruit evolved, you know what I mean? And it's, and that's why, and it was paying attention is an ode to her, an ode to Strange Fruit. It was paying attention to every single line in Strange Fruit and thinking about it. So for instance, you know, in Strange Fruit, blood on the leaves, blood on the root. I didn't want to see blood on the root as this is so sad. All of our blood is draining out. We're dying. It says, okay, great. Blood for me is central to my faith. The mm -hmm. blood of our ancestors has now fertilized us. You know what I mean? And these now we're now the same blood that you used to destroy us has now fertilized us and made us stronger. So we're not a weak fruit hanging from a tree anymore. We're a very strong, healthy, brolic, unified, armed with armed with armed and armed with wisdom fruit armed with you know with knowledge with education and so and the spirit i believe and so I, I wanted to look at every single lyric and flip it on its head and that's why the line strange fruit come down off that tree cut it down under your feet i wanted ownership you know what i mean i wanted destruction of these systems i wanted ownership of of us and so and then, and then i thought about the scent of our ancestors right that's why i named it tigress and tweed is not just the blood that fertilizes but i thought it's the scent of victory which I thought would smell like the scent of our ancestors. And Billie Holiday's two favorite perfumes were Tigress and Tweed later on in her life, you know? And, and then Blood again was a huge one for me as well too. And that's why I used the word Damu um, because there's layers to that, right? Damu's blood is central for my faith. Damu's blood in Swahili. Um, and it, it also is something that I think 
is a street reference as well too, because I grew up around that. And Billie Holiday, I think, you know, she wasn't weak, she was a gangster and this was all on her own, you know what I mean? So I wanted layers that grabbed, you know, people from her generation and later and that people that grab people from my generation and younger. Um, but it, it all has, to, it stems from Strange Fruit, absolutely. Introducing people as well to Strange Fruit, like this generation now gets introduced to Strange Fruit. Yes. You can go for it, Mickey. Well, you know, I'm probably the only one here that was is that's old enough to have seen the original run, Ladies Things the Blues. I was a teenager when that came out in 72 and actually did a term paper uh, for my English class comparing Billie Holiday and Julie, Judy Garland. Yes. Their uh, lives past. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it was wild. I don't even know why I did that. You know, I <laughs> kind of think about like, we know wow. why. We know why you did that. Bless <laughs> <laughs> you for it too. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But one of the things, you know, I, I like about this film as opposed to the original, this, this takes a little deeper dive. And I think we understand the complexities of Billy a little bit more. But the irony is that you and Dinah Ross received so, are, well, you are receiving so much buzz <laughs> for this role and she did. And she was nominated for an Oscar and there's a lot of Oscar buzz, you know, circulating <laughs> about you. Um, you know, is, has that irony been lost on you at all? Or do you connect with no. that in any way? I, yes, I do actually. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, it's, yeah, it's not lost on me. The irony is not lost on me. Also, it was her first role, you know what I mean? And right. so um, I think I understand, you know, that there's a sense of urgency. I think there is something I believe for, from my faith that God had a need to tell her story and it had, and it's had to be told in two parts. It had to start with Lady Sees the Blues and it had to come here because I think the other thing that people need to remember, not only was she phenomenal in the role, not only was, was it what we needed to see as black people to see black love again, to see black opulence, but it was also a huge feat that they even got the film done. Cause that's 1972, Harry J. Anson and J. Edgar Hoover were still alive. They were still in power. I mean, they were still using the blueprint today in, in the FBI for the war on drugs. And so they were definitely, it was potent. And we saw what was happening then, you know, with the Panthers and with also on top of that, uh, Louis McKay, who was her, um, her husband who ended up with her entire estate, who set her up to, to go to prison. He had set her up to be murdered. He, you know, he was the technical director on that film, which is why, again, his character portrayed by light-skinned, smooth Billy D. Williams is, he's the savior, you know what I mean? And so it was a massive feat that they were able to even get the, that film made under those circumstances. And I think God wanted her story told. And I, I, the kinship I feel there is that, and it's so hard to explain unless you've done it, but when Billy grips you, when she gets in, and when she's allowed in and she takes hold, it's, that is the spirit that's directing everything that's happening. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's, the irony is not lost on me. It's just more of an understanding of what it is that she went through, Diana speaking, what it is that, how she was changed by this and Audra McDonald on Broadway, you know what I mean? And so I, that, I understand, I feel like I understand those two women better after having played Billie Holiday because her spirit is an all-consuming one. And it's, and once it takes hold, you know, it, she's, she's there, you know what I mean? So Billie's still with you. She hasn't left yet. Yeah, she's still <laughs> lingering around. <laughs> There's some parts that I, I definitely, I will tell you, 
when we ended the movie, I was not prepared for what a cliff dive that would be. And so it was really challenging. I'm not on a cliff anymore, which I'm really happy about. Um, but so I definitely feel more balanced, but yeah, she still keeps popping up, you know, randomly. She's there, definitely. I don't think I want her to go, honestly. We don't want her to go either. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I, you, I think you said that she spoke to you. I know that um, Lee Daniels shared that she came to him. He had a dream about her, rather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we would have on set. It was like full on conversations. You know, I always joke that I'm like, you know, because it was the dream. Really, the dream that I remember the most was just her on stage singing. Like I was witnessing her singing. And it was in a place that like I knew was cafe society, but I but it didn't really look exactly like cafe society, but I just knew we were in cafe society, you know. And she's singing, she's singing, she's singing, but I'm 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 watching and it was almost like it was like a camera move where it like sort of turned around, you know, and I'm she's singing, but I it's me, I'm singing, you know what I mean? And I was kind of in that space with her and it was just really weird to see sort of her hands transform and it was very it was very very bizarre and just quick or maybe it wasn't quick but that's all I really remember from it you know and then on set it was just I would talk about everything I would laugh hearing her laugh made me laugh and then there'll be some moments that she changed through subjects so quick and I do that but she's on another level with it you know what I mean so there are so many moments that I'd be like Eleonora sis where are we at <laughs> what are we doing today like where are we you know um, but I love, I love her. I love her laugh. I love her personality. I love that she can't stay on one subject. She'll go from talking some about something as deep as lynching to her mother's pancakes. You know what I mean? And like, and I just, I, I love how, how she loved people. She didn't judge people. She received people where they were at. And I, I love hearing about people's experiences with her. It was like watching this unicorn, you know, and, and, um, yeah, I, I, lo I love this woman so much, you know, and, and I've always did, but even more so after doing this film. Commingling of spirits is something that, uh, yeah, changes you and, and, you know, deepens that bond for sure. Did you believe in this before this film? Did you believe that this kind of connection to someone who isn't with us, physically with us anymore was possible? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I do believe that. I mean, that comes from my faith. You know what I mean? It's something that we speak about sort of in my faith. We talk about the cloud of witnesses. And I do believe that we have access and they have access. You know, I had a really good friend of mine before that who had passed away recently before that, you know, and it was funny because I couldn't, I think I was grieving too heavily, right? I, I was... I couldn't receive the dream. So it's funny because, you know, we don't have the same faith, but my day-to-day -day manager had a dream and it was so crazy. And I had literally asked God the night before. And I was like, I need to know that she is at peace. I need to know that she's at rest. And I, I need you to be clear. I need this, you know, and I, and cause she was taken so suddenly. Um, and he out of nowhere had, no one knew that I was asking, but he out of nowhere came from me and was like, I had the weirdest dream last night. And I just feel like I'm supposed to share it with you. And he told me that he saw her, she had her hair was braided kind of to the side and she had a flower and she looked beautiful. He said more beautiful than I had ever seen her, but I knew it was her. She looked perfect and it was like flowers kind of in this garden. And, um, and she said that I had been asking uh, a question. She says she's, oh, oh, uh, she, she asked, Lena asked Josh, who's my day to day, how's she doing? He said, you know, she's okay, but she's not, that's great. She really misses you. She kind of feels lost in this game without you. 
And so she said, she said, she's asking a question. She needs something to be answered and resolved for her. So tell her that the answer is yes. And so when he said that to me, I was just like, you know, it was like just crazy. So I, I absolutely believe that 100%. And I asked for Billy before doing this film. So I believe that definitely. Well, your words hit me um, so hard today because um, it's the year anniversary of my mom's so. Oh gosh! You, you, wow! Yeah. Oh, Rhonda. I was, wow, Rhonda. So, I, thank sorry you. For that. Yes, of course. Yes. Oh, Rhonda. We, I, I know. I just want to squeeze you right now, sis. Having a hard week too. It's fine. We love and you. It's like I would never mention it, and then it, it just when you spoke, it just. Yeah. Oh my God! I'm so glad you did. I'm so and 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 honestly, I think. Listen, honestly, that's probably why we're really here. You know what I mean? That's why we're really here having this meeting and doing this interview. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm, I'm gonna, if you don't, I'm gonna be praying for you definitely and for her and your family. Thank you. but, yeah. Thank you. I'm going to ask uh, the last question to close us out here, uh, Andrew. What do you think the legacy of Billie Holiday is? I, I think the legacy of Billie Holiday is truth i think that's the main thing is truth and i think strength you know that's and sacrifice i think truth strength and sacrifice and um truth because I, that's all she was trying to do was sort of live her truth and be exactly who she was who she was meant to be you know and and uh and that was an assault on on the government and on on you know the powers at the time as often us as black women being us is you know and so and and then i think truth also because i really hope that her story being told will cause other people to say why was this hidden from us because it was intentional our stories are constantly suppressed and they're constantly transformed um, or changed, right? Just uh, to, to continue. Uh, again, I, like I said, it's it's hard to continue a system of oppression when you know the depth of a, group, a person's struggle and the breadth of their contribution. And so, those things have to be sort of done away with in order to continue in the system. So, I hope that it causes people to pop the, the top off of other stories and to say, you know, why did not? Why didn't we know that Beethoven was African? You know what I mean? Why didn't we know that three black women were responsible for helping us? For really largely responsible for getting us to space and programming the first computer. Why didn't we know that a slave's brave act is is what ended up netting us our freedom as a nation to begin with? So, and why didn't we know that Billie Holiday was integrating audiences and singing Strange Fruit and talking about lynching in America and emboldening, you know, Thurgood Marshall, emboldening all these great civil rights leaders that we saw that came after her? You know, there's a reason for that. And then fight because again, she just did what was right. She wasn't going, I'm an activist and I'm gonna do. She just was, it's wrong. It's wrong to be lynching people. You know what I mean? It's wrong to be treating people um, um, unequally. And, and, and she fought and she was willing to die for it. And she did. She knew she was gonna die for it. She would say, Harry Ansling is gonna kill me. And so, and she was willing. And that's, that's sacrifice, you know what I mean? So. Absolutely. Now, we always do a rapid fire round, rapid fire, fast questions. And since you're being initiated now, as you're going to be Hollywood's new it girl, I hope you know. Uh, thank you. I received it. Thank you. <laughs> this film, your performance is outstanding. I know that you're going to do so many more things in film and television, and I look forward to it. So we're going to initiate you in real quick. Okay. Film world. I got some lightning round questions from you okay. from the Black Flix Trivia Film Deck. Okay. Name three romantic comedies. Love and Basketball. 
Poetic Justice and um, Lady Sings the Blues. Wait, romantic comedies, romantic comedies. Okay, wait, uh, let's see. Yeah, I was like, none of those are fun. Yeah, that's those comedies. <laughs> wow, I don't watch that many romantic comedies. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I mean, could Brown Sugar be considered a romantic comedy? Yeah, Boomerang. Boomerang. Okay, let's go with Boomerang. <laughs> Name three biopic, three biopic films. Oh, three biopic. Okay. Um, well, I'm gonna go with okay, Malcolm X. Uh, I'm gonna go with it's not exactly a biopic, but I'm gonna go with the combination of United States versus Billy Holiday and Legacy of Blues. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I am also going to, oh my gosh, what's another one? Oh my God, I'm so nervous. Okay. I'm going to go with. This stuff got to do with it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> my favorite. And the last one, name of three black leading male actors. Okay. Trevante Rhodes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Denzel Washington. And, uh, let's see, Sydney Portier. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of the Black Women Film Network annual summit. We so appreciate you. We are all about preserving uh, the legacy of Black women who come before us. And that's exactly what this film stood for. And that's why we wanted to give you the preservation award. So thank you, Ms. Andrew Day, for being a part of She Critiques podcast. Thank you, Mickey Turner. Thank you, Rhonda Rasha Penrice. We send you all the love. Yes, thank love you, everyone, you. for coming out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of She Critiques. I'm your host, Mercedes. You can find me on all platforms at She Critiques. That's C-H-I-C-C-R-I-T-I-Q-U-E-S. And we look forward to the engagement and all the feedback. Take care.